wiggles, not the kind that wiggle tea that you drink, not scribble all together in a cottage she calls day. Cherries and tea with Nanny B. Why, hello to you and welcome to my cottage. I've just brewed a lovely cuppa and await my neighbor Jules, who will be bringing us a story any minute now. We've got company. What a pleasant surprise. Hello! Hello, Nanny Bee. It's your neighbor Jules with a story. What a coincidence. I was just telling our listening friends about your arrival. Well, I never come empty-handed. Today, I've brought a story of Forrest who's in a forest and is looking for some hope. Are you ready for a story? Oh, yes, please. Okay, then. Talking Trees, adapted for radio. It was a perky spring morning with birds tweeting each other and bees buzzing around. Forrest was trying not to notice, as he was supposed to be listening to Mr. Douglas's science lesson, who just asked, So what are we going to do? The entire class replied, Take in carbon dioxide! Except for Forrest, who just managed to grab the final, I'd... But he said it with such conviction. Mr. Douglas appreciated conviction. There was more to the class, of course, but Forrest didn't mind. He'd heard it all before from his mother when she talked about his father, the eco-warrior. He went on a hunger strike and petitioned the government, you know. And he did know. Mother was continually telling her son about his father, who was chopped down in the deforestation of 1982. Now, that may seem like forever ago to you and me, but to trees, it was like yesterday. Forrest and his family are proud members of the Sequoiadendron Gigantium family. The name gives it away. They are the most massive trees on the planet and the oldest living organisms anywhere. Wisdom comes with years. Why, Forrest's great-great-uncle General Sherman figures he's two and a half thousand years old, or thereabouts. It gets a bit confusing once you've lived over a thousand. They fought off blazing fires and pests from all quarters, humans included. And that's another topic Mother is continually telling her son about. Why, it was only a few days ago that I heard from a bobcat, or was it a bear? So hard to tell the difference from this height. Either way, it was furry and it moved around. They said that the logging trucks were coming our way. Now, Mama, Forrest replied, you know the human small tiniest will take care of us. They need us to breathe clean air, and they value the homes we give to wildlife. Mother would have none of it. It's hard to convince her after father was taken. I understand, my dear, said General Sherman. It's easy to lose faith in humans, but look how they've protected me. And I'm no spring chestnut. <laughs> Mother calmed herself for now. A good thing, too. Forrest needed to focus on his homework. Now, how did that go? I pull in carbon dioxide... And water! Mother shouted. I pull in 
water and carbon dioxide through my leaves, powered by the. Oh, um, what am I powered by? Forrest said loudly in hopes his mother would pitch in again. She did not. Where do I get my power, my energy? I don't have a plug. I don't have a fuel tank. And luckily, trees don't need mouths to talk, because I don't have one of those either. Forrest was stumped, and although that is his usual physical position for a tree, they're always busy. Trees are full of activity. They're forever growing and giving. Why, what they throw away is the very thing humans need to breathe oxygen. And that is the reason Forrest is convinced that humans will protect them and plant them. All that convincing did not help with Forrest's homework. Maybe General Sherman would. Forrest sought his assistance at once. Excuse me, uh, Mr. General Sherman, sir. Plain old Sherman is just fine with me, lad. How can I help you? Well, it's about my homework. You see, just when I should have been listening to Mr. Douglas, I was listening to the birds and the bees. Oh, and what a lovely distraction they are. Even at my age, I enjoy the tweeting and buzzing. Well, okay, the buzzing is more like tinnitus to me, but the birds, I definitely hear the birds at this height. With my head above low-floating clouds, I can take in the morning chorus and bask in the sun. Oh. Life is good. Thank you, Mr. Mighty General Sherman, sir, sir, thank you, Forrest said, and he turned back to his homework. I thought he wanted my help. I guess after over 2,000 years of living, I just ooze wisdom without knowing it, said the general as he got back to his sun basking. I am powered by the sun, Forrest said with conviction. Surely Mr. Douglas would give him extra points for conviction. Maybe with a bit more of that, he could convince his mother that humans do care. He said to her straight away, Mother, I am sure with all my bark that humankind will be kind. I will shout a reminder to each one that comes our way. Protect us, plant more of us, and together we can save the world. Mother got all choked up. Oh, you sound just like your father, she said. And I almost believe you. But did you know that humans ask the question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? <sighs> they think if nobody is nearby, then your voice cannot be heard. They don't listen to the wind that carries our message or the sun that beams our plea. I'm sorry to say I've lost all hope. Forrest was devastated. Not because his mother didn't agree with him, but because it's such a sad state to be in, one without any hope. He turned his thoughts away from the tweeting birds and the buzzing bees, away from his homework and getting energy from the sun. Forrest had a mission, a mission to restore his mother's hope. Now, before the Internet, he would have just called out to a friend, to call out to a friend, to call out to yet another friend— but now, all he had to do was go online. One problem. Trees don't have internet. Oh, or keyboards. Oh, or fingers, for that matter. 
back to the way before the internet. Forrest called out to a friend, to call out to a friend, to call out to yet another friend. Eventually, one came back with a way to find hope. Once a year, and usually on a Tuesday, a team came to their neck of the woods. They'd take samples and check for any changes in the environment and record all their findings on the smallest keyboards with the weakest internet signal. But it was a signal. They did only come once a year, but that time was near. Forrest just needed one member of the team to hear him. He wasn't going to fall, but sway instead and sing with his leaves for a sign of hope, a message for his mother so she could hear about all humans are doing to protect the trees. Just a few days later, on a Tuesday it just so happens, a team of five showed up to inspect their woodland. The perfect chance, thought Forrest. The first team member stood right beside Forrest. He was small, as humans are, dressed head to toe in camouflage, so seeing him was a tricky business. Only when his boots the size of his head crackled fallen limbs on the woodland floor did Forrest notice him. At once, Forrest started singing with his leaves. Tell me you'll watch over me. Tell me you understand. Plant more trees and protect me. Let's save the skies and land together. It was a lovely song, but the human in camouflage didn't seem to notice. Forrest didn't give up, though. Later, the second member of the team stood right beside Forrest. She was not as camouflaged as the other one, only a camouflage hat. But still, he thought, how do they expect me to see them? That thought did not deter him. He sang his song again. Tell me you'll watch over me. Tell me you understand. Plant more trees and protect me. Let's save the skies and land together. She didn't seem to notice either. Neither did the third or fourth one, or even the fifth one, as a matter of fact. Forrest not only failed in getting a message of hope for his mother, he started losing the hope he had inside himself. That was until a half-human arrived. They were holding the hand of the fourth member of the team, who said something about staying in the car, they'd be home soon. It was hard to make out from so high up in the sky. The half-sized human stood beside Forrest. His hope was draining fast, and he didn't think another song would change that. Just then, the half-sized human looked up at him and really saw him. My, you're as tall as the sky, she said. And you look like you have so much to tell me. That draining hope was plugged and overflowing. So Forrest sang once again. Tell me you'll watch over me. Tell me you understand. Plant more trees and protect me. Let's save the sky and land together. The half-human didn't use her internet. She didn't tell him about what humans are doing to save the trees and save the world. She just hugged Forrest, and made him a heartfelt promise. 
I will protect you and plant more of you everywhere I go. Forrest wasn't sure if she fully understood his song, but he believed her, as it just takes one little promise to grow into a forest of promises. The end. Oh, thank you, Jules. You know, I made a promise myself once to protect and plant trees for my squirrel children and my Aunt Robin. You literally have a family tree. A family forest. Of course you do. I can't wait to chat with you again next week when I return for more Tales and Tea. Go to nannybee.com. Go there to find out about all our episodes. You can like or follow us on iTunes and Spotify and get in touch if you'd like to be on the show. Go on and leave a message for Nanny Bee and you might be on the show. This has been a Toby Hall production for nannybee.com.